I think it's your turn. Okay. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. Do you want a guest host? What? We're going to start, Brownie. You good? What should we do? Just let her mute. Okay. Three, two, one. Welcome to The Peaceful Truth, the podcast where we talk about feminism, feminist issues, and everything in between. You are joined by your co-hosts, Megan Hoharts and Kenzie Meekbeck. Kenzie, it's been a bit. I know. I was just thinking that. It feels like it's been a while, too. It's been 5.5 years. Five years? Wow. How have you been? Oh, lots happened in five years. <laughs> I've been good. Um, I went back to Texas uh, for Christmas and New Year's for a week. I had a week off work. Nice. Yeah, so it was uh, really nice. I haven't done that, actually, really in my adult life much. I've taken long weekends and stuff, so that was cool. And um, And I feel refreshed and ready for the new year. Nice. I'm ready. Do you, are you pumped about the new year? Do you feel fresh? In I the feel new year? fresh. I feel pumped. I feel ready to go. Mm-hmm. I feel like a new candle that needs to be lit. <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm thinking of newness. <clears throat> a new candle that needs to be lit. I'm also, I'm also um, reading a Buddhist book. Yes, right this is why you feel this way. <laughs> and they're like your internal light and all this stuff. So what is that? Like, you probably know that better than I do. Um, I like I, you got to light your internal light. You have something to like that. And everyone has the internal light, the internal flame, the internal flame. The internal light is in me. It's in you. It's in everybody. It's in everybody you love. It's in everybody you hate. It's in Donald Trump. The internal light is in Donald Trump. Okay, Kins? And that is You what, just put words in my mouth. And that is what <laughs> combines us as one. And we all have it. Yeah. And it's the spark of divinity. I love it. I like I like Buddhism is so peaceful and Zen. Megan, I I've, I've been wanting to ask you this. Can you t- start taking me to yoga and like get me into it? Yes. Would you really? Of course. Like, can I come to your classes and stuff or would that weird you out? Would no, that, come to my class. Would that be something you would like be excited that I came or would you be like, meh? Or would you be like, oh, please don't. Um, I want you to come. Okay. I want you to come to my class Sunday night, six o'clock. Okay. It's going to be relaxation and not hard yoga like what you like. I do like hard. So I maybe know. like once a week I can go to, or a few times a week I can go to hard and then I'll go to yours on Sundays to restore. Yes. And, Restored. <laughs> and um, you need to, there's Buddhist temples in Seattle and I've been to one of them before and you should go. We should go. Yeah, for sure. It's a good experience. Actually in college, um, I would majored in journalism and they made you do like an experience that was kind of out of your cultural realm. Oh yeah. And so I picked Buddhism cause I always thought it was, a. have always thought Buddhism seemed very peaceful and like a kind, not I, they don't classify themselves as a religion all the time. Some people, I think, do and some don't. But I think that they, I think it would be kind of like a life path, maybe. Yeah. So I went to a Buddhist temple. Did you like it? I loved it. It was like this, it was in Oklahoma, like in the plains of Oklahoma where there's country and it's church, the Bible Belt, church city. And it's off this dirt road, basically in the woods. 
and it's this random Buddhist temple. That's really cool. In the middle of nowhere. And um, really north Oklahoma City area. And I went out there with one of my friends. And it was they were so welcoming and overjoyed that someone like of a different like background came mm-hmm. to like because they want to spread it they like w- want to spread and it was so cool they were so welcoming and so sweet to us and like taught us how to do everything and weren't like insulted by anything and they like invited us for lunch so we stayed for this vegetarian like feast that they had after i just had a great idea we go to the buddhist temple that i have gone to in the past and then we record an episode about our experience oh my god that's a great idea I know. I just thought of it. <laughs> it's going to become the Buddhist podcast. It is the peaceful truth. Well, Kins, I'm so glad that you found your inner light. I haven't I haven't found I don't think yet. I'm glad that you're on the path to I'm, find your inner I'm light. I'm awaken, awakening my inner Buddha right now. Yes. I love it. So, you need a mala. Yeah, I need to go to yoga. What's a mala? This. Oh, a necklace. What does that mean? So does everyone get their own mala? Mm-hmm. Well, you need to buy one. You need is to get it customized? One. Yeah, you can get custom ones. So they should have 108 beads and you use them to meditate. And so you meditate on each bead and you walk through each mala bead and meditate on each bead. Um, there's different forms of this type of meditation. In the one that I know, you chant a Sanskrit mantra at each bead. And then you say the words and then each I've actually never meditated well girl we need to get you started I just like worry I'll be unsuccessful you're I'm so unsuccessful the okay the success part of meditation is when your mind has taken you to the future or your mind has taken you to thoughts in the past and you saying wiping the memories away Picturing the memories float away like clouds and coming back to the breath, that is successful meditation. So even if for you meditate for 10 minutes and the entire time you're thinking about what you have to do, but then the last 10 seconds, you picture them being erased as if you are erasing the thoughts off of a chalkboard, then you've succeeded in meditation. Wow. Yeah, see, this book I'm really liking, it's called Awakening the Inner Buddha. I need to read it. I think it's really good. And like at the beginning, I was like, I don't know, like, like, you know, just because I like always try to play devil's advocate to everything, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then they just made a lot of good arguments. Like it's not religion. It's well, in this book, he says it's not exactly a religion. And I don't want to insult anyone by saying that. But I, I, it's like, I don't know, it's different. It's more spiritual. It's different. And I think some Buddhists don't believe in a higher power. So that may be considered why it's not considered a religion. Anyway, it's interesting for sure and different. So, okay, yoga? Yes, we're going to yoga and we're going to meditate. And we're going to the Buddhist temple. And we're going to go into the Buddhist temple and we're recording an episode. Well, anything else you want to talk about your Christmas slash New Year's? No, tell us about yours as I took up that long <laughs> period of time. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was great. Um, did a lot of fun things. Went to Vancouver. Hockey game. Snow on Christmas. I went skiing. I did a lot of fun stuff. I got this crazy massage that I told you about earlier. Oh, you got to tell them. <laughs> so um, I got Des massages for Christmas and 
he got his massage i was going to get mine we meet in the lobby in the middle and he looked at me and he says that was the best massage in my life and i looked at him and said that was the worst massage in my life <laughs> so and why was it so awful so halfway through my guy goes um, can you please lift up your stomach? I'm now going to massage your stomach. I was laying on my stomach. I was like, okay. So I just like kind of lifted my stomach just so he could slide his hands over. And then he literally, depending on what side he was on, he did both the left and the right. He would find my internal organs and then just like squeeze them and massage them. And then he would stick his fingers. He would grab my rib cage and then he would stick like three or four of his fingers <sighs> up underneath my rib cage and just like punch it back and forth it was the strangest thing in my life and then for the rest of the day i'm gonna tell you guys what happened oh i was off of my period for like two or three days by the time i got that massage my period was gone that night it came back <laughs> my period came back he it freaking arose. massaged my ovary so much that my period that is came weird. back i think i would be giggling if someone like was poking my stomach really hardcore i think i would be like <laughs> like stop and it was just i did not like it and then you guys flatulence i was i had a little bit of a toot fest going on the rest of the night because he massaged my intestines so much oh and then Des had the, I was telling Des about how painful it was and what, how crazy it was. And he was like, whenever I told him that my period came back after he massaged my ovaries, he was like, next thing you're going to tell me that he impregnated you. He was like, Desmond, ew. <laughs> you're like, girl. <laughs> I was like, it did not, it was not sexual in any form or sense. But it was just weird to feel somebody massage your ovaries. Like, I knew that that's what was happening. That's weird. Well, yeah, I've never had that happen to me, a massage, ever. So, yeah, I'm only going to the girl that Tess went to. Dang, that's crazy. I, yeah, I actually go, I prefer, like, to have same-sex <laughs> So <laughs> do I. I do not like being massaged by men. I like being massaged by a woman. I was massaged by a dude once. And like he was like older and he just seemed nervous. And so then that oh. made me nervous. Maybe he's used to massaging like older people, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like nervous the whole time. And I was like, oh. he was like, I'm going to break this little girl in half. Maybe. <laughs> he's like, do you want me to pop your back? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad that we both had good Christmas breaks. Now let's get back at it. Kins, what are we talking about today? Well, it was kind of your idea. So we, we got the idea. Um, I'll say what the idea is first, probably. Um, kind of like um, the pressures of Hollywood and then relating it, how it kind of trickles down into real life for women. Um, but who were you inspired by to go this direction or not inspired by, but like read about? I heard about Judy Garland, the star of Dorothy and Wizard of Oz. And all of the crazy stuff that she went through to find success in Hollywood and how much pressure she was under to look a certain way and to act a certain way and to be a certain way mm -hmm. to have that success. And then in the end, was it really worth it? And kind of, I know I did my research on Judy Garland. You did your research on some other people and kind of just about the pressures that women feel to be a certain way. Cool. Do, I think you should go first because you have like what inspired this okay. idea. 
Definitely. So I got my info from a couple of articles. One was in Vanity Fair by Johanna Desta. And then I also found quite a bit on her Wikipedia page. Um, so when Judy Garland was 17, she was the star in The Wizard of Oz, one of the most iconic films of all time. And I believe it was the first film in color. It starts off black and white. I think you're right. It starts off black and white. And then whenever she goes to the land of Oz, then it turns into color. And then that was like this huge hoopla. That's smart. Really fast. <laughs> when I was little, I asked my dad when the world turned to color. <laughs> After you saw that movie or just no, in general? No, just because old movies were in black and white. And so I was like, when did everything get colorful? <laughs> what did he say? He's like, no, <laughs> it's not how it works. He was laughing really hard. So um, Judy Garland um, is obviously, I mean, a beautiful voice. Um, what's that really famous? Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh, my God. Somewhere. <laughs> yes, just like that. Thank um, you. No, but yeah, that's from Wizard of Oz, too. And she's just known for her really good voice. Um, she was also, unfortunately, led a really tormented life once she got into um, being famous. So in a brand new memoir that's written by her husband, Sidney Luft, um, it is, he came out and said that Judy Garland was tortured by the actors who played the munchkins. He's quoted as saying, they would make Judy's life miserable on set by putting their hands under her dress. The men were 40 or more years old, and they thought that they could get away with anything because they were small. So Judy Garland also said that one of the actors who played the munchkins, who was about 40 years old, asked her on a date when she was only 17. Yes. So you can, I mean, there are a lot of allegations out there that um, it was kind of an unstable working environment. There were actually many stories that were told about their stays in the hotels. Um, it would feature rock star-like behavior and drunken parties. And one of the producers, Mervyn Leroy, claimed that the actors had sex orgies in the hotel and they had to put policemen on every floor of the hotel to keep things under control. Um, some of the actors say that it was just a select few who would do that. And yes, those select few would drink beer morning, noon and night and were always trying to go after the girls. But some claim that it was just a select few while others claim that it was kind of like the whole brunch was just super rowdy. So um, just kind of an unstable working environment, maybe not feeling 100% safe on set. Um, and then in the Wikipedia article on Judy Garland, I found a couple of other examples outside of sexual harassment that led to um, having negative impacts on Judy Garland's life. Um, leading to low self-esteem, depression, and drug dependence. And eventually her drug dependence is what led to her overdose and her death around age 47. Wasn't this an ex-husband that wrote all this? Yes. Sorry, it was her ex-husband. Yeah, she had like three or something. Mm -hmm. um, and so according to her Wikipedia page, her physical appearance cre created a dilemma for MGM, who she was signed with. She was only four feet and 11 and a half inches mm. and her cute or girl next door looks did not exemplify the glamorous persona that was required of leading ladies 
during that time. So she was very self-conscious and anxious about her appearance. Judy Garland went to school at Metro with Ava Gardner, Mm -hmm. Lana Turner, Elizabeth Taylor, all of the people who were classified as real beauties during the time. Wow. And unfortunately, um, Charles Walters, who directed her in quite a number of films, is quoted as saying, Judy was the big moneymaker at the time. A big success, but she was the ugly duckling. That's not nice. I know. She's very pretty. I know. I don't even see it. <clears throat> and um, this was thought to be damaging and have a big effect on her emotionally for a long time. Um, her insecurity was exas- exasperated by the attitude of the studio chief, Louis B. Mayer, who referred to her as, quote, his little hunchback. Oh, my God. So I think that this kind of just brings to light for us at like when we're watching these famous women Mm. in these movies, we see them on a pedestal and we think that their life is perfect and, you know, famous and we want to be like them. We want to voice like them. But just the fact that these women had to go through this. And I think that women can continue to have to go through this about, Mm -hmm. um, having to be a certain way, be a certain height, be a certain weight, whatever it may be. Um, And Judy was also made to wear removable caps on her teeth and rubberized discs to reshape her nose. Oh, wow. So your nose had to be a certain way. Poor girl. She was also, um, she also stated herself that she, as well as other young performers, were constantly prescribed amphetamines to stay awake during the crazy pace of filming and then they were giving barbiturates to fall asleep at night and although garland was a healthy weight the studio demanded that she was on a Mm. constant diet when she ordered a regular meal they would come out with a bowl of soup and a plate of lettuce wow so i think it kind of like i said you know we see these people in the limelight And not even people in the limelight, normal people like me and you. And then we compare ourselves to them, right? Yeah. And then I always, when I look at my body, I don't see it the way that you do. And then I think when you look at your body, you don't see it the way that I do. No one does. Yeah. And so I just think that just bringing to light the fact that And maybe I think it's for all people, you know, I think men can feel the same way too. Oh yeah. Like they need to be muscular or something. Yeah. They need to be muscular. They need to be tall, whatever. They can't be thin Mm -hmm. or short, whatever it may be. And I just think that bringing to light that looks aren't everything. Well that, and like you see yourself different than other people do, you know, and also being a certain shape is beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. And I think that maybe recognizing when you see yourself in the mirror that acknowledging that you're beautiful, right? Totally. And I think me and you both need to work on it because both of us make comments about how constantly we gain 10 pounds over Christmas break. <laughs> me. I said that, which I'm a hypocrite. Like, you know, and that's like something I'm like working on personally in this year is like balance. But it's totally true. Like, I'm a feminist, but I'm really hard on myself. And I think, like, yes, I have a feminist podcast and I talk about it and I have, like, a women empowerment podcast. But, like, I have 
like I'm not perfect in that theory. You know what I'm thinking? Like, I'm just Mm -hmm. like, um, I should practice what I preach more, I guess. Like I'm still critical, but it's because like of what you've been told like your entire life over and over and over and over. But who's told it to us? Society. You know, like be a certain way. It's like the people that are idolized look a certain way. So it's not necessarily explicit. You know, it's a subconscious thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like we've never been explicitly told you need to lose 20 pounds. But Mm -hmm. then when we see these people in the limelight. I have some stories from being in like, and it's not even like big, big leagues, but being in television. I have a few stories too that I'm going to tell. Oh, yeah. Um, not even to me that happened to other women. So that was Judy Garland in her life. Mm. And um, I think that just raising awareness about it because she did die at a super young age. 47? Yeah, due to an overdose. And she was having to live with this weight on her shoulders from such Mm -hmm. a young age. So just bringing it to light. Yeah, and she was beautiful. I don't even see what anyone was talking about, to be honest. Do you want to move into some of the other similar articles that I found about the pressures of Hollywood? Yes. Okay, so it's not just Judy, but Judy, I think, is a not a good example, but an example that shows how harsh it can be because she passed at 47. And how long ago this was. Like, you know, that movie came out in the 1950s. But it's like, I think it was sexism and all that stuff. Not, it might have been worse. Because it was way more accepted, you know? Mm-hmm. Society has at least advanced. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is about ageism. So have you ever heard about ageism in Hollywood, Meg? Yes. Yeah, like you can't be a certain age. Time out. The Time Wizard out. of Oz came out in 1939. Do you know that it was actually... I th- it, The whole thing is like a reference to the Great Depression and the economy in the early 1900s. Oh, yes. It's a subtle reference to all of it. Yeah. Because it's based on a book. Is it your favorite movie of all time? No. <laughs> Do you like it at all? No, I like it a lot, but it's I, definitely not, not my favorite of all time. <laughs> I really like that but movie. Is it your favorite of all time? Not of all time. Oh, now that you 10. know all the sadness. Top 10, top 10. All right. It is well done. Okay. So ageism against actresses, but it was cost, Megan. At what cost? Okay. Um, NPR. So this is an NPR article. Um, My little excerpt on this is, but I've heard these few themes. Thank you, Brownie. These few (laughs) themes throughout uh, Hollywood in the past when I've like listened to like news and stuff. But NPR's Kelly McEvers talks with actresses Tippi Hedren. Hedren? Do you, have you ever heard that name? Nope. I think she's an actress. Um, and these are all related. These are like three generations, I believe. Melanie Griffin, Griffith, not her. Griffin, <laughs> Griffith, and Dakota Johnson about the opportunities for women in Hollywood has changed over the generations. Oh, maybe they're not related. Maybe they are. Are they related? I don't Let's know. Let's look down. If you scroll down, it shows who they're related to. Yeah, children, Melanie Griffith. And then I know that Melanie Griffith is the mom, I think, of Dakota. Will you click on Melanie? Just yeah. to make sure. And Dakota, is Dakota the one in uh, that Fifty Shades of Grey movie? Yes. Okay, so it's three okay, generations. So it's three, three generations of actresses. So, 
Um, and how they're talking about how Hollywood has changed over their generations, but they talked a lot about ageism. And at one point, Johnson, Dakota Johnson, felt sad that her mother and grandmother are at a, more of a stalemate uh, to continue their careers once they got older. However, Griffith, Melanie, her mom, said, but, you know, the business has changed so much. It's like right now you have the opportunity to do so many things, to produce, to direct, to act. In my day in the 70s and 80s and 90s, um, and it wasn't a possibility. Um, I'm sure it wasn't when you were working, Mom. She's referring to um, Hedron. So, and, um, but, I mean, yes, but that just, like, men can act. My counter-argument to that is, like, George Clooney could act for forever mm-hmm. and no one say anything. Like, if you like acting, you shouldn't be forced to switch to directing, you know, because you're no longer pretty um, in Hollywood standards. I think everyone's beautiful at every age. I didn't mean it like that. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. to their standards uh hedron but there's another issue too they don't really find women who are getting older to be fascinating enough to even make a screenplay about i mean they just don't write those anymore isn't that interesting it po- is interesting point? and i didn't think about the fact that like you said george clooney and harrison ford can act for forever yeah, and I definitely didn't mean when you get older, your your beauty has changed. I'm just saying the standards in Hollywood tell you these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, even you knew, like you just know that that that's what Hollywood does because it's so culturally ingrained in your soul, you know. And mm-hmm. just like talking, and I'll talk about this more. Like in America, I feel like Hollywood is a huge trendsetter for all of the culture here. I mean, like the president was on a former reality show, and he's been in movies, and so was. A few others, you know? So was the governor of California. (laughs) The governor. Well, no longer. He's (laughs) no no longer the governor. (laughs) So, yeah. So politicians have even been uh, former actors. And Ronald Reagan was a former actor. Yeah. Big one. Big duty. Okay. So that's ageism. And then to lose weight. Um, This is from a Business Insider article, and it highlighted many different women who spoke out against and told their stories about how Hollywood is pressuring on weight. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence was told that she may lose a gig if she uh, didn't lose weight. They brought in pictures of me where I was basically naked and told me to use them for motivation as for my diet, Lawrence explained. It was just that. Um, While she didn't divulge what she said in response to the unnamed person, she told Harper Bazaar, UK reporter, if anybody tries to whisper the word diet, I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. I'm (laughs) reading it in context. She's obviously not someone who's ever going to stand up for body shaming. To stand for body shaming. So that's Jennifer Lawrence's take on it. We should be more like her. Ken's whenever in our heads, whenever I say my f- cheeks are fat and whenever you say my pants are too tight, <laughs> we should just say to that voice in our head, we should just be like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. But this was like an actual person that she was <laughs> like saying that to. She doesn't even think it. That's awesome. I wish I could think like that. She probably does. But, you know, um, JLo fired a manager um she had after he said her curves were too much and that's basically what makes jayla so awesome is her curves mm-hmm. well no she's a triple threat but like she's a triple she's, threat. that's her beauty man her those curves are gorgeous 
Um, and Emma Thompson, kind of one of my favorite actresses recently because she's such a feminist. Remember, she was the one I was talking about a few episodes ago. Um, she once stood up for another actress who was told to lose weight. Haley Atwell uh, told her, like, offset that she was told to lose weight. And then Thompson threatened to quit the movie. Um, and t- they had to take that requirement for her co-star off the table um, and if it wasn't, she was going to quit the whole movie. Emma Dang. Thompson. Um, so, yeah. So, losing weight and ageism. We're not quite at the age, I feel like, to feel the pain of ageism yet. No, not yet. I think maybe reverse ageism, but that's just in the work context. Not mm-hmm. in my work, but I've experienced it where, like, in life, people make subtle comments about millennials and stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> About how we're just on social media making money off of social media instead of having real jobs. Hey, man, that's capitalism. (laughs) Um, We think that's that's smart. So I wanted to, like, make a bigger point, which Megan kind of touched on for sure. But, like, these women in Hollywood are role models. And, like, even around the world, I think that's kind of what makes America so famous is the Hollywood aspect of it. Don't you think? Because you watch all the movies that come out of there. So that's why everyone's interested in American culture. Mm -hmm. So like what Hollywood sets up can impact the whole world's view on what's beauty. And so I just feel like it trickles down to the whole culture and down to other female self-esteem. So I guess we've all felt about this way, but... Like, just talking about the body in general, like, in television, like, the different things I was told. I wasn't allowed to show my shoulders in one area. That is too provocative. Yeah. My shoulders were too sexual. (laughs) I've never met a least sexy body part besides the shoulders. I know. You can't show your shoulders. Um, I had to have short hair. You had, to, you had to have short hair? Yeah. They Why would tell you, you can, to c- cut it. They even had people who would come in and tell you, like, what to wear and stuff. Why couldn't you have long hair? Um, and short hair looks more professional, oh, according really? to their viewpoint. Well, I guess if you think about it, think of a news anchor that has long hair. You can't. You can't think of one. Yeah. And like I mentioned in the past, I was told by other mentors I had to have bigger boobs. Mm-hmm. You would have needed a boob job. Yeah. And it's just rough, you know, and my face, my, one of my Facebook friends, who's a weather woman just posted this thing where someone said something about big tits on like Twitter to her. Like commented on one of her pictures. Well, just like tweeted at her. Oh my God. After she just was trying to give the news to the city. Mm -hmm. Seriously. So this is like, it's like not dead at all. And people are like, why would you advocate for like women empowerment? I'm like, because clearly, you know, it's still happening. Mm -hmm. Going as far back as Judy Garland from The Wizard of Oz, probably before that time. Yeah. All the way to now. Every body shape, to wrap up, I think, every body shape is beautiful. Every person is beautiful. Thick, thin whatever curvy straight yeah pear shaped that's actually well should we reveal why yeah so we haven't even talked about it but our our icon is like pears and we were talking about it during the summer and we were like 
a bunch of ma- in a bunch of magazines in the 90s back when people read magazines more um they always were talked about pear shape for women like that's and a what, shape what jeans look good on a pear shape so we just thought kind of to take that like categorization of the female body back you know you know like being told like the pressure of a certain body shape to take it back for and own it as like a woman and that's like our icon so we love it okay well do we have a quote yes we have a quote it's from john mayer i know he's a man i know but it's just (laughs) the best tweet of all times and i'm sure and it relates back to this one and it relates perfectly to this episode so i absolutely love this tweet from john mayer if you're pretty you're pretty but the only way to be beautiful is to be loving otherwise it's just congratulations about your face (laughs) (laughs) that's funny (laughs) have you heard that one before no it's the best tweet ever that's good oh we (laughs) forgot to do our positive thing um my positive thing is i'm teaching a new class sunday nights at six and this is going to be a permanent class on the permanent schedule, and I'm excited to teach it. Congrats. What's your positive thing? Um, I got a ski pass, so I'm going to ski. She's going to ski down the mountain. She's going to ski Kenzie down come the mountain. Kenzie, <laughs> come around the mountain when she comes. Okay. Well, <laughs> we digress, but thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye.